Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. Hey, I want you to do something before we even get started this morning. I want you to turn and look to the person to your right. And I want you to know the person that you're looking at has had a really rough week this week. Now turn and look at the person to your left. It has been a very stressful week for that person that you're looking at. I just want you to know that. I want you to know you are not alone in this thing, okay? You've had a tough week this week, haven't you? This week has been stressful. Even if things have gone perfectly, this has been a stressful week. You look back and you think, I could use a little more time this week. I could use a little more energy, a little more patience, a little more money, a little more sleep. I could have used a little more this week. This has been a stressful week. I hope this morning you can be refreshed. And I hope you can be renewed. And I hope for just a few minutes, if nothing else, we can kind of exhale and say, you know, we're in the presence of family. We're here with our brothers and sisters. We're here to worship God in, in, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And regardless of what this last week might have looked like or what next week might look like for you, I want you to know God is good. And it is good to be in His presence this morning. So I, I hope that you are uh, refreshed by being here this morning. As you see on the screen here behind me, we are still, that must have been for me, we are still talking about Jesus. I have spent really this whole year focusing on Jesus, and I keep circling back to a statement that Paul made in Philippians chapter 3 where he said, I want to know Christ. And we have talked this year about trying to know Christ better. We've talked about Jesus as a healer, Jesus as encourager, as a worker of miracles, a risen Savior. Last week we talked about Jesus as being our shepherd. And as you see this morning, I want to talk about Jesus being our perfect example. And I, I mentioned last week too, and I had some people ask me about this. I mentioned last week, I made the statement that um, I think a lot of people, I think myself included, Sometimes we start talking about, I want to know Jesus. We arrogantly say, well, I know Jesus pretty well. I know Jesus. But no matter how you know Jesus, there's so much more to know of Jesus and about Jesus. Because if, if, we're misconcept if we have a misconception about Jesus, we're going to have a misconception about Christianity. And we're certainly going to have a misconception about what our purpose is and what we're to be about here in this world. Um, you know, I, I talked about Jesus being a teacher, but the fact that so much of his life was spent doing things other than teaching. I mean, he lived life. He, he went through the same kind of things that we go through on a day-to-day -day basis. And he wasn't just teaching facts and concepts and, and theories. He showed us what life in the kingdom was really going to be all about and how to live life in the kingdom. He didn't just talk. He acted. He didn't just say, he showed, he didn't just promise, he proved. You know, when you think about a really good teacher, good teachers don't teach to make you smarter. Good teachers teach to make you better. And Jesus taught to make us better. Now, I want to kind of introduce my thoughts this morning by going back and sharing with you another uh, comic strip from Calvin and Hobbes. I did this a month or two ago. Actually, I could start every single sermon with a comic strip from Calvin and Hobbes. 
because they're really good, and so many of them have a, 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 a kind of a moral point to them. But Calvin is sitting taking a test uh, at school one day, and the question is, what did the pilgr- when did the pilgrims land on Plymouth Rock? And Calvin very confidently answers, 1620. And then he writes this. As you can see, I've memorized this utterly useless fact long enough to pass a test question. I now intend to forget it forever. You've taught me nothing except how to cynically manipulate the system. Congratulations. And then the final panel is Calvin saying, they say the satisfaction of teaching makes up for the lousy pay. (laughs) My apologies to Rodlin, our resident uh, history teacher, and really all of you educators. But don't we sometimes, can't we sympathize with Calvin there? Sometimes like, why am I learning this? What good will this possibly do me? Why do I possibly need to know this useless information? Now, I'm a little bit different because I love useless information. I am a wealth of useless information. <laughs> Ask anybody that knows me well. I, I, I enjoy learning things that I know will never come up again in life, but it interests me. There are things that don't interest anybody else. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching a special on PBS about uh, the mining wars in West Virginia at the turn of the last century. And my son walked through and he said, why are you watching this? I said, because it's really interesting. He watched it for a couple minutes. He said, no, it's not. <laughs> I said, no, this is fascinating stuff. And if we don't know history, we're going to be doomed to repeat it. He said, Dad, you are so weird, (laughs) and walked away. But I think all of us will agree, myself included, that we pay more attention when someone is teaching us something that we expect to use. When we know we're going to need the information that's being shared, we'll pay closer attention. We've looked at Jesus being uh, the teacher, greatest teacher that ever lived, The Gospels refer to Jesus as a teacher over 50 times. You know why Jesus is so often referred to as the teacher? It's not a trick question. He taught. That's what he did. People were drawn to his teaching. Yes, some came for the miracles and and some came for the food, but it was Jesus' teaching that captivated people. They said, this man teaches like no one else. He teaches with power. He teaches with authority. People would sit for hours without anything to eat, listening to Jesus teach. They would follow him to remote places to hear what he had to say. They would gather in the synagogues. They would gather in the temple, listen to Jesus teach. They'd hang on his every word. Jesus was the master teacher. Now, we have all had teachers You've had a lot of teachers. I've had a lot of teachers. Most of my teachers have been very uninspiring. There's been some that I think have been good teachers, but there's really only been a handful that I would call great teachers. What makes a great teacher? Well, for me, a great teacher is someone who loves what they're doing, who's passionate about the information they're trying to share, who who is excited about it, And who knows what they're sharing with you matters. 
A teacher that is great will convince you this is important information that I'm giving you. And they'll show you why it is so important. What Jesus taught matters. It's important. Not only did He teach, not only did He lecture, He showed us how to live. E.M. Kelly once said that there's a difference between a boss and a leader. A boss says go, a leader says let's go. Jesus wasn't just a, a, a lecturer. He lived his life as an example as well. He didn't just tell us what to do. He didn't just speak in the temple. He didn't just teach in the synagogues. He didn't just write a book. You know, sometimes I wonder, why didn't God just send the book? Why didn't God just tell us what to do? Well, God did send the book. And God did tell us what to do and how to live. But God knew that we would need more than just information that we'd need to see somebody do it, and that we would need an example on how we ought to live. So that's one of the reasons Jesus came, to show us how to live. Now, he didn't just talk about love. He showed us what real love looks like. He didn't just talk about forgiveness. He showed us what forgiveness looks like, what is really hard to do. He didn't just talk about grace. He modeled grace. He didn't just preach about counting the cost. He counted the cost. He didn't just lecture on sacrifice. He sacrificed. Long before He ever went to the cross, He sacrificed. Jesus didn't just teach, He, he showed. For instance, Jesus taught a lot about uh, being a servant. Again, it, it wasn't a bullet point for Jesus in you know, His favorite sermon. That's how he lived his life. In John chapter 13, he washes the disciples' feet. And they don't get it. They don't understand why Jesus is doing this. And in fact, they're a little bit um, offended almost. It's an awkward moment for some of them as Jesus washed his feet, their feet. But Jesus tells them why he did it. In verse 15, he says, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus said, I am going to teach you something by what I do. I'm going to teach you, and remember, this is hours before the cross. I'm going to teach you how to be humble. And I'm going to teach you how to be a servant. And I'm going to teach you what I'm talking about when I say the last should be first and the first should be last. And so he washes their feet and he teaches them a lesson that they'll never forget. Washing their feet. He taught by example. Jesus never told us to do anything that He wasn't willing to do Himself. And this morning I want to quickly look at what our lives would be like if we didn't have this kind of teaching and this kind of example. Or maybe Jesus is not your example. You know, what do you put in place of that kind of teaching? What do you put in place of that kind of example? What are you trying to put in place of Jesus to kind of get through life? Because last week was stressful. I don't want this to be kind of a negative thing to share with you, but next week's going to be stressful too. All those problems and issues and situations, um, they're still out there. They're waiting for you. So if Jesus isn't my teacher and isn't my example, how am I going to get through the next week? Well, let me share a couple of things with you. First, without a teacher, without an example... A lot of people kind of just decide, 
I'll fix it myself. I'll, I'll take care of it. Whatever it is, I'll take care of it. This is where most people start. And this is also where, where most people stay. I'll come up with something. I'll figure it out. I'll, you know, I'll take care of it. And of course, our, our culture teaches us to be self-reliant and self-sufficient. But God knows that we're not nearly as capable as sometimes we want to consider ourselves. All the way back in the book of Proverbs, we read, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Without a teacher, without an example, there are things that seem right to us, and it makes perfect sense to us at the time. But Scripture says it might very well lead to death. You know, maybe you're struggling with relationships that aren't what they should be. Maybe you're struggling with a matter of the heart that's not quite right, some, some temptation, and you think to yourself, I've got to somehow figure this out. I, I've got to somehow get a handle on this thing. I've got to get on top of this thing. You know, I've got to do something. And we just decide, I'll fix it myself. I can handle it. Story. Since really the day we were married, Martha and I have had a, a, a phrase that we share with each other. Usually it's her sharing it with me as a way to rein me in a little bit. Um, and the phrase is one that some of you will recognize. The phrase is, just call the man. Anybody recognize that? Just, just call the man. Martha and I are big fans of the Andy Griffith Show. Me a little bit more than her. And there's an episode in the Andy Griffith Show where Aunt B buys 150 pounds of meat. She gets this great deal. And she puts it in her freezer, and as soon as she does, the freezer breaks down. And so she's worried about losing all this meat. And she doesn't want to bring in an actual repairman. Andy tells her, just call the man from Raleigh and have him come look at it. But Aunt B doesn't want to do that, so she tries to fix it on her own. And then she tries to pull in some favors from some friends. And then she gets Gomer to come and try to fix the, the uh, freezer, all with comedic results, of course. And over and over again, Andy keeps telling her, just call the man. Aunt B, call the man. If I had a nickel, <laughs> or every time Martha told me, call the man, because I'm one of those fools who has just enough do-it-yourself experience to be dangerous. And I will try anything. You're going to electrocute yourself. Just call the man. You're going to flood the whole house. Just call the man. That tree is not going to fall where you think it's going to fall. Just call the man. And your dad doesn't count. <laughs> call the man. Spiritually, I think so many things that we struggle with and so many things that pull us down, and so many things that wound us and cause us to wound other people, I think so many of those things could be alleviated if we would just call the man. If we would just admit, I can't handle this on my own. This is so much farther, bigger than I am. This is out of my league. Uh, i got to call the man. I need help. I need encouragement. I need a strength and a power that go beyond my own strength. 
in my own power. I can't do it on my own. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. That's an Old Testament teaching, but it's a teaching that Jesus also reiterated and not only reiterated, but He lived that. Jesus trusted in a strength that, that wasn't of this world. Jesus spent a lot of time with the Father. And it was time that He needed to spend with the Father. You go back to the very beginning of Jesus' ministries, public ministry. Mark tells us this in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where He prayed. Jesus knows the importance of spending time and tapping in to the Father. And then later on, when Jesus feeds 5,000 people with just a handful of food, the, the crowd's amazed. The disciples are astonished. What's Jesus do? Matthew 14, after He dismissed them, He went up on a mountainside by Himself to pray. Everyone wants to be with Jesus. Jesus wants to be with the Father. He recognizes the importance and, and, and the power that's there. And then, right before the cross, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows what's coming. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if You are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from Me. Yet I want Your will and not Mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened Him. He prayed more fervently as He was in such agony of spirit that His sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Jesus is praying in the garden. Now, if you remember, before this, Jesus' disciples were with Him, and they said, Teacher, teach us how to pray. Because we don't pray like you pray. And so the teacher says, I will teach you how to pray. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, here's how you pray. Let me teach you something. You teach that God's will be done. Which is a really easy conversation to have when you are casually talking to a friend. It is a whole lot harder to pray that prayer when you know what God's will might be for you in your life. And it's something that you want a cup taken away. Jesus didn't just teach that, that God's will is to be done. That was His prayer. His prayer was, Father, You know my heart is lined with Your heart. And if it's Your will, count me in. And we're told that an angel came and strengthened Jesus because of that prayer. I wonder how many heartaches we would avoid. I wonder how much strength we could tap into if we would just call the man, if we would just realize how desperately we need God in our lives, that we can't do it by ourselves. Jesus knew that. Why would we think any differently? Well, another thing we sometimes resort to, if we can't fix it ourselves, we'll look for other people to help. We'll go looking other places for answers. 
You know, there's a reason why Oprah Winfrey had such great uh, ratings when she was on television, because I guess people wanted to hear what she had to say. There's a reason why Dave Ramsey is on so many radio stations around the country. People want to hear his advice. I guess people want to listen to Dr. Phil. I don't know. But it's sort of human nature to go looking to other, to, to other people for answers. It's, it's kind of what we do. Now, sometimes that can be very helpful. And I'm not saying anything negative about those people specifically or anyone in general. Sometimes it's very helpful to go to people who have experienced other things and, and have some wisdom in, wisdom in some other areas. But never assume that the wisdom or the advice we get from somebody else is going to be able to, to better or best Jesus' advice and Jesus' wisdom. Never assume that someone else can teach me, tell me, direct me better than Jesus can. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is on a mountaintop and He's taken Peter, James, and John with Him. And while He's on that mountaintop, His appearance changes. We're told He's transfigured. His clothes become dazzling white. And Peter, James, and John had been sort of sleepy up until this point. They wake up pretty quickly. And not only do they see Jesus transfigured, but they see Elijah there. And they see Moses there. And Peter speaks up and said, I've got a great idea. This is pretty special. We need to build three monuments. We need to build a monument for Elijah. We need to build a monument for uh, Moses. And we need to build a monument for Jesus. And then God shows up. God speaks out of a cloud in Luke chapter 9, verse 34. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my Son whom I have chosen. Listen to Him. Peter says, i got a great idea. Let's recognize Moses. Let's recognize Elijah. Let's recognize Jesus. Great men. Could you imagine how you would feel this morning if suddenly the lights all went out and it was pitch black and a voice from heaven said, Listen to Jesus. Might that get your attention? That was God's message to Peter. Listen to my son. You listen to Jesus. You know, too often we go chasing after, what does this person say? What does that book say? You know, what do they think? All that really matters is what does God say? What does Jesus say? What does the Holy Spirit say? If that is not our definitive authority, then we'll never get it right. We never will. Don't listen to the wrong people. Paul tells his friend Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, if anyone teaches false doctrines and doesn't agree with the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ, the godly teaching, he's conceited and understands nothing. Paul is saying if if you have anyone teaching you something that goes against what Jesus says, don't you listen to him. He's wrong. He's conceited. He knows nothing. God's Word, God's Son, is our only source of authority. Well, sometimes we try to figure things out on our own. Sometimes we look for others for help. And then, sadly, sometimes we just give up. I quit. Too hard. Life is too stressful. I give up. 
I've talked to a lot of people, and not very many people will actually say that in so many words, but I know they've given up. They've given up on a person. They've given up on a relationship. They've, they've given up on the church. They've given up on God. And that is such a sad place to be. In John chapter 6, Jesus is again teaching. And He's been uh, teaching and healing and providing and He's uh, got a lot of people paying a lot of close attention to Him. And then in John chapter 6, He starts teaching some difficult things. And the crowd starts pushing back a little bit. Too hard. That's a hard teaching. I'm not sure I want to sign up for this teaching. And people started to leave. In great numbers, they start to leave. And the disciples are here with Jesus, watching everybody walk away. And Jesus turns to the disciples and asks, what about you? Are you going to bail on me too? Are you going to quit? Are you going to give up? And it's Peter who got it so wrong just a minute ago, gets it so right. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter said, Jesus, where are we going to go? Who else are we going to turn to? You have the, you have the answer to every question. Even the hard questions. Especially the hard questions. Where else are we going to go? No, we don't understand everything. This is a hard teaching. Yeah, I get it wrong sometimes, but I really want to get it right. Yeah, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around everything that's going on here, but I'm not quitting. Where else am I going to go? Who else am I going to listen to? Jesus walked on this earth not just as a book of instructions. He didn't just teach the will of God. He showed us the heart of God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God didn't just give us a way to live. He gave us a person to follow. And maybe this morning you've been trying to do it all on your own. I can handle it. I'll figure it out. I'll take care of it. A lot of people do. My suggestion to you is this morning, call the man. Just, just call the man. Jesus needed God in his life. What makes you think you don't? Call the man. Or maybe you think, well, I'll call someone else. I'll, I'll get advice from somewhere else. I'll, I'll read a book. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll listen to some friends. A lot of people will. Or maybe this morning you're just, I give up. I guess this is the, hand that I've been dealt and I'm going to live like this the rest of my life and I guess I'll just have to make the best of it because nothing's ever going to change. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us life and give it to the full. It's not just about knowing the words of Jesus. It's about becoming like Jesus. I talk about this all the time. It's about being transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. That's why Paul would say, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. 
Paul saying, I am leaving you an example because he left me an example. I am walking in the footsteps of Jesus. So if you're following me, you're following Jesus. Because I don't have to tell you, Paul was all about Jesus. This morning, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would give you a whole new reason and a whole new passion to follow Jesus. A a, a renewed desire of your heart to be like who Jesus was. To live like Jesus lived. To have the same kind of patience that Jesus had. To have the same kind of gentleness that Jesus had. To show the same amount of grace and mercy. To love like Jesus loved and continues to love. Where else would you go? Where else would you go but to the the master teacher and the perfect example? He alone has the words that lead to eternal life. This morning as a family, if we can pray with you, if we can pray for you about anything that's going on in your life, we'd love the opportunity to do that. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you say, you know, I've, I've never claimed Jesus as my Savior. We'd love to talk to you about that as well. There's a family we can help you in any way. Travis has a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement. If you'd meet us down here at the front, uh, we'll meet you there. Let's stand and sing.